So I want to invite you to take a deep breath in and release and close your eyes. And we're just going to take a moment to remember who we are. So first I want you to remember how tall you are. And remember what color your hair is. And remember what you're wearing today. If you can't remember that, we're worried. Remember where you live. Imagine your house. Imagine the number on your house. Imagine the date on which you were born. And the face of a loved one. Now allow yourself to imagine how it feels to love. And give yourself a moment to think about and feel into something or someone for whom you have compassion. Allow yourself to consider who or what around you needs forgiveness. And let yourself give consideration to what is happening on our planet that you feel called to give your time to, your attention. And when you're done, gently open your eyes. Take another deep breath. Welcome. So, would you say that if I wanted to define you, if I wanted to share about who you are with someone else, it might be important for me to know all of those things. It might be important for me to be able to say, oh, she's the one in the pink shirt. Oh, yeah, when you see her, she's about five foot two. Oh, him, he lives down on that block in the third house. The numbers on the house are. Oh, you want to meet this person because they have such deep love for their children. They show such rich compassion to people in need. This person is a person who's really on purpose. They know exactly what they care about and they're living into that. Would you say that I could use all of those things to explain to someone who you are? Yes. yes. Okay. So if we know that about explaining who we are, would you say that we might surmise that it's equally important in life that we both know the facts of life and the conditions that explain how we're living? Would you agree? Let's watch this video.
Ah, yes, that word spiritual. I think the reason why many people run away from it is because lots of what has been done in the name of spiritual or spirituality has been completely crazy. Um, so uh, the problem with that word is it's easy for a lot of really bizarre, unfounded sometimes even destructive and toxic ideas can hang out under this word spiritual because you're talking essentially about that which isn't accessed through the five senses. Um, when somebody says, well, that was, I just had a spiritual feeling. Uh, well, you can't really put that on a spreadsheet. You, you can't really take a picture of that. My understanding of spirituality is that this life that we've each been given, the, the very breath that we took and we're about to take is a gift. That life is a gift and how you respond to it, what you do with it matters. Um, so you'll find uh, in a business, people working very hard and making lots of money and yet at some point asking these questions like, what is the point of what we're doing? Why are we here? Why are we giving this kind of energy to this? Which is fundamentally a spiritual question because the answer to that question won't show up in the second quarter financials and yet why people get up in the morning and come work here is the driving question behind the question behind the question. So I begin with life is a gift and what you do with it, how you respond to it matters. And when we talk about it mattering, we are talking about something that's true but can't be accessed in the ways that we normally access things. And uh, I think a lot of scientists have run from the word spiritual because a scientist deals with hard facts. And when you get into language of the heart, language of the soul, uh, when you start talking about transcendence, you are talking about more than literal truth. So, uh, like if somebody asked me why I fell in love with my wife, and I said, well, because she's 5'7", she's from Arizona, and she drives a Honda, uh, that's kind of a weird answer. But if you say to me, why'd you fall in love with your wife? And I said, I fell in love with Kristen because when we got together, it was like I found my other half. Something within you is like, okay, now that's, that's, now that's an answer that I get. I, I understand that answer, and yet, it's not like I was limping. It's not like suddenly I actually literally found my other half. I shifted to a different kind of language to describe a different kind of reality. And uh, so oftentimes, in my experience, the scientist is fine with spirituality when we understand the terms that we're working with. This idea somehow that faith and science are in opposition, I've always found to be complete insanity. Both are searching for the truth. Both have a sense of wonder and expectation and exploration. They're each simply naming different aspects of the human experience. One thrives in naming exteriors, uh, height, weight, gravitational pull, electromagnetic force. The other is about naming interiors, compassion, kindness, suffering, loss, heartache. They're both simply different ways of exploring different dimensions of the human experience. Well, if you think about the past, like let's say three, 400 years of human history, especially the history of the Western world, we've had this uh, explosion some call it the age of certainty, the explosion of scientific rationalism. I mean, we have 10,000 songs in our pockets. We have 
airports and hospitals. We don't have polio anymore. I mean, we have had this explosion of rational stand at a distance and study and analyze it with a clipboard and a lab coat. I guess now it would be an iPad. But we've had this explosion of knowledge about how the world actually works. And so for many people, this rational, linear, scientific thinking has done so much that it sort of stepped on and crowded out other ways of knowing things. Because um, I was doing this event recently and a woman came up afterwards and she had a little a child in one of those little packs that you carry a child around. And it was a Saturday. And she said, yesterday I found out that my child's been diagnosed with MS. And then she turns and walks away. Um, there isn't a formula or a theorem to name what she's going through. Uh, what she needs is a poem. She needs a prayer, a liturgy, a song. Uh, she needs a ritual. Uh, you light a candle. You sit in silence with somebody. When it comes to grief, pain, loss, heartbreak, euphoria, joy, ecstasy, uh, the lab and the microscope and the data aren't as helpful. So I think what's happening in the modern age is people are realizing we've built this extraordinary gleaming modern world and yet we're more hungry and thirsty for meaning than ever. So I think that's what's happening is we have more than any human beings that ever had in the history of the world and yet the same questions are still gnawing at the soul. What's it mean? What are we doing here? Where does joy found? Everything is driven by the desire to know the truth. There's an exploration. There's a wide-eyed sense of wonder. If you talk to the best scientists, they have this sort of gleam in their eye. Like, this is what we're learning. And we don't know what's actually around the corner. And if you talk to the best theologians and poets and scholars, they ideally have the same gleam in their eye, which is, look what we're learning. Look what we're exploring. And... So to me, they're not enemies, they're long lost dance partners. And I actually think what's happening right now is uh, if you and I are in opposition, if we have some sort of fight and we turn and walk away from each other, if we walk away from each other long enough, we'll probably go around the globe and we'll meet up on the other side. And so I think for many people, uh, especially religious people who are raised with this sort of faith and religion going in opposite directions, I think what's happening is they're coming back around and we're realizing these are all ways of exploring different dimensions of the human experience. So Michael, if you will put up the slide that is also back there, I will tell you that our uh, 2020 theme, study theme, is called The Great Convergence of Science and Spirituality. And we are going to spend the year looking at both of these things together. So did you hear him say, life matters? Okay. We know that. Life matters, doesn't it? Now I want you to hear it differently. I want you to hear it like I say, birds fly. Birds do something. They fly. Life does something. It produces matter, doesn't it? It matters. Life matters. 
There is an idea of what life and God and spirit is, and there is a manifestation that happens from that that is measurable and repeatable. And both of those things are important. This process, this study, invites us to go deep and rich. It invites us to really look at the issues, the top 10 issues that are on the table right now in our world. Issues like foods, food and water scarcity, issues like climate change, issues that are affecting the future, not only for us, but importantly for our children and for our grandchildren. And it invites us to look at these things from both the scientific, factual information and data that allows us to make good decisions and from the spiritual intuition and guidance that allows us to apply some moral compass to how we're living. We hate that word, Ariana. Why did you have to say morals? Who gets to decide what our morals or our values are? We have to decide that. Each of us as individuals has to decide what our moral compass is, what we can't live with ourselves if we don't do what is happening on our planet that we have to address because we can't leave it to the next generation without being part of it and how we step forward. We are a 21st century community with 21st century issues on the table. And we no longer have the liberty of coming in here on Sunday morning and closing the doors so we can get away from that. It is our job as human beings to explore, to seek out what is true. It is not, however, my job to tell you what is true. It's my job to poke you a little bit. You know that old cliche about ministers, their job is comfort the afflicted and afflict the comforted, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, my job is to afflict you with a little discomfort so that you have to think about and feel into the world that we live in and your place in this world. Science without spirituality is a problem. Science will say, hmm, if we look at everybody on the planet and everything and what is causing damage, we should probably get rid of the human race. They're making a mess of it, right? Science will cause us to make decisions that have, that lack heart, that lack soul, and that lack that deeper intuitive connectedness that is part of who we are. At the same time, spirituality can be a real problem because spirituality can say, ah, I'm going to leave it in God's hands. I don't have to do this. There's a bigger source taking care of me. I don't have to worry about it. One of the things that I love about the five principles that guide unity is that the fifth principle is if you don't do something, it doesn't, nothing gets done. It's not good. No amount of meditation and prayer and coming together on Sunday mornings or Tuesday nights or Wednesday afternoons is going to change the world if we don't change the world. We are here to do that. We are here to take action together. We are here to discern 
What is ours to do? We are here to look deeply at what ancient traditions have said and ancient teachers knew. There are things that science is proving today that exist in the Vedas from the Hindu faith that where their written work is 5,000 years old and they existed before that. There are things that we're just proving now with science. So this year, we're going to pull these two things together, and we're going to have real conversations. And we will look at neurobiology, and we might also look at numerology. And we'll look at scholarly teachings, and we might look at channeled information. But we're pulling from our entire bank of resources with a vision to being of purpose and value in the 21st century. And that's a powerful place to be. And I am thrilled and excited to spend this year, for, this year doing this work with you. This, for me, is the work we've been putting foundation under for a very long time. But we have positioned ourselves so that when we walk in on Sunday morning and close the doors, we're walking away from that. Right? How many of you have said that? I go to church on Sunday so I can get away from all the crap in the, light, in the world I live in. Right? So I want to invite you into the words emotional resilience. And I want you to think about what's happening right now. I want you to think about 25.5 million acres on fire in Australia. And a billion animals that have been lost. And ask yourself, if you in the oneness of God are affected, emotional resilience, how do we be affected and be strong and do this differently? 500 earthquakes in Puerto Rico in the last week. 500 earthquakes between 1.0 and 6.0 on the Richter scale. Half of the island is destroyed. We're not even covering it on our news. Are you feeling it? In the oneness of your connection to the divine, is it affecting you? Yes, it absolutely is. It's important for us to know this because we can't leave it out there and still stand in here and speak about oneness. Those two things are diametrically opposed, aren't they? To believe that we can truly be in the oneness of the holy and walk away and somehow close ourselves away doesn't work. What is true is that if we explore the depth of spiritual connection that is available in, in the oneness, then we will find the emotional resilience that gives us what we need to do the right things, to make wise choices, to be in action, and also to believe that miracles are possible and that when science says that can't be fixed... It's inevitable. We don't have to buy that. Because we know something different from our spiritual center. And science is only what we know to today. And spirituality also is only what we know to today. So we are expanding and exploring and evolving together. I have some quotes for you. 
The Rig Veda, which is a Hindu scripture, says, Truth is one. The wise call it by many names. Albert Einstein said, A human being is part of a whole called by us, the universe, a part limited in time and space. He experiences himself, his thoughts and feelings as something separated from the rest, a kind of optical delusion of consciousness. This delusion is a kind of prison for us, restricting us to our personal desires and to affection for a few people nearest to us. Our task must be to free ourselves from this prison by widening our circle of compassion to embrace all living creatures and the whole of beauty, the whole of nature in its beauty. Einstein also said, this is a good one, science without religion is lame. Religion without science is blind. Powerful. Erwin Schrödinger said, Quantum physics thus reveals a basic oneness of the universe. And finally, from Ralph Waldo Emerson, every natural fact is a symbol of a spiritual fact. Our source, our strength. We honor it with each breath we take. One heart, one mind, one power. In the name of love, in the name of love. We'll make a world that works for all One heart, one mind, one power In the name of love In the name of love From a place of love, one every heart, face is a face of love. Every voice is a voice of love. One power, every name is a name of love. We all come from a place of love. One heart, every face is a face of love. One mind, every voice is a voice of love. One power.